when it comes to ice fishing, I think there's a, a major social aspect to it. Whereas, you know, when we're casting on a boat, you know, you maybe wave at the guy that's across the, the water from you. But when it comes to ice fishing, you, you walk right up to him and talk to him. And I, you know, I'll spend a lot of time just visiting with people. Like when I'm on my way out to my shanty, you know, I'll see someone, I'll stop and talk to them. Just a little chit chat, just kind of, I don't know, that's just my personality, which is not, you know, it's not uncommon, but then again, there's people that just won't even look at you out there, you know. But usually everybody will talk to you if you come up and talk to them or whatever. Hi, welcome to Vermont Untapped, a podcast from the Vermont Folklife Center that explores the state through the voices of its own residents. I'm Mary Wesley. Spring is here. But in our Middlebury Gallery, we're still waiting for Ice Out. The exhibit currently on display is titled Ice Shanties, Fishing, People, and Culture. Have you ever driven by a river or a lake in the winter and seen those little huts out on the frozen water? Those are ice shanties. These funky, one-of-a-kind structures were the initial inspiration for this exhibit. If you stop by the gallery before the end of summer 2019, you'll see these beautiful, large-format color photographs of them, ice shanty glamour shots. The photos were taken by Brattleboro-based Colombian photographer Federico Pardo. In 2016, he began documenting the shanties that appear each winter on the frozen floodplain of the West River on the property of the Brattleboro Retreat. The area is called the Retreat Meadows. Pardo was drawn to the unique buildings, precariously perched in an ephemeral landscape. As folklorists, we think about structures like ice shanties from a variety of perspectives. One is to look at them as examples of vernacular architecture, a kind of fancy way of saying buildings created by the people who use them. We might study similarities and differences in their shapes and forms. Although the shanties are certainly intriguing from this perspective, What got us most excited was the prospect of learning about the people who use and build them, exploring their culture and community. In stepped our vision and voice gallery curator, Ned Castle, who looked to find a way to connect human voices and cultural context to Federico's stunning photographs. Ned spent several days interviewing shanty owners, hearing about their time on the ice and the seasonal community they help recreate each year. At the Vermont Folklife Center, fieldwork, going out into the world and engaging with Vermonters directly through interviewing and what we sometimes call deep hanging out, is central to what we do. Meeting people where they are, where they live or work, or in this case, where they fish. So we'll spend the rest of this episode inside the shanties of Chad Ives, Eric Paquette, Jeff Brown, Jimmy Bazanson, Mitch Mullen, Roy Gangloff, and Steve Hazley. Occasionally, you'll hear Ned asking questions and the odd background noise, but mostly it's just the voices of the ice fishers. You might want to bundle up. Okay, uh, this is Ned Castle from the Vermont Folklife Center. It is January twenty second, and I'm here with Eric Paquette. Um, so first of all, before we start, do you have any questions for for me about like what we're about to do? And this, by the way, um, I won't do anything with this interview 
with the exhibit until you've listened to some of the stuff that I want to use. So you'll get a chance to hear it. And if there's anything we end up talking about for some reason today that afterwards you were like, I don't want that to be a part of the exhibit, you can always say that. Okay. okay. So it's not as if everything that I record today is like, now we own it. You know? Right. <laughs> um, do you have any other, any questions for me? Not at the moment. Okay. So it sounds like you've been fishing for a long time. Can you t tell me like how you got into fishing? And I don't know if it was initially ice fishing or regular fishing. It doesn't really matter. Just get how you got into fishing. Um, I've done regular fishing pretty much my whole life. And then I was probably around six years old when my grandfather started taking me out. Um, we had a shanty pretty close to the one I constructed uh, probably seven years ago. And uh, we'd go out and we'd pretty much go anywhere. It was constructed small enough so we could put the ice shanty and one snowmobile on the trailer and we could go pretty much anywhere for a day or a couple days, whatever we wanted. And that's basically where ice fishing started was my grandfather. We'd go out as pretty much as much as I could if I weren't in school and we'd go locally or we'd go to Harriman for the Derby. And that's, that's where I came into it. Well, I guess it started as a kid, you know, maybe 11, 12 years old. Um, a neighbor that I grew up with who still lives right down the end of the driveway, uh, would take us out to the retreat meadows, which is where you and I had met. And, uh, you know, so as young, younger kids, we'd go out there and it was basically just catch a couple fish, but you know, having fun out on the ice, trying to stay busy. And, and then I probably wasn't until within the past three or four years, probably, in, you know, early thirties that I picked it up again. I had a couple buddies that had a shanty out there. And so we'd go out with them and started getting into it and started catching, you know, northern pike and that was uh you know kind of added the trophy fishing aspect to it so and then so that in the past three or four years i've been going out to the retreat meadows a lot and amongst other places and uh, i've met quite a few guys down there that have shown me a lot of things and been just picking it up it's you know pretty social for me my father passed away when i was six and some of the, I have very few memories from way back, but three different memories I have of him are he and I, he and I fishing. Um, one of my, literally one of my first ones was down in Connecticut. I can remember the exact place in the river and I went to cast my line in the river and it, and it didn't hit the water. And I looked back, traced it backwards and looked and I had a game warden by the, I had caught by the sleeve. And I was like, Oops. so, um, yeah, and just a few other, you know, like that, going out with my father fishing. So it's, it's been part of my life since then. And, you know, you can see I've got, you know, I've got two, two boats. You know, I go saltwater. I've got a huge amount of saltwater. I fish saltwater a lot. I rent a house down there for about a month a year. And, um, and I even work on boats down there. So fishing has just become part of my, I'm a loner pretty much. So it's, you know, I just enjoy getting out and seeing whatever parts, you know, I see so many different things. Um, you know, mink, otters, all different types of wildlife, you know, seeing birds catch, birds of prey catching things. I mean, it's just, 
you know, it's just a great grounding experience. And so that's primarily it. I come from a long line of fishermen. Uh, my grandfathers uh, on both sides, though I never met my father's father, uh, were, were both avid fishermen. And my father was too. Unfortunately, my father didn't really have a lot of time. He worked two jobs, raising six kids. Um, but you know that was part of the uh, part of the thing that kind of got us into fishing. We were kind of pushed to go out, catch some fish, and bring something home for dinner. And uh, we we still uh, we still do that uh, today. Fishing is kind of more or less uh, for the majority of people evolved into more of a recreational thing. It's not really, a, and we weren't certainly doing it just solely for substance sustenance, uh, but it was a big part of what we what we did and and why we did it. Uh, we actually had a, a couple of bodies of water close by that uh, that we could ice fish on, but more more often than not, it was a weekend thing that we did with my father. Uh, my father was busy, you know, uh, six days a week, but Sunday morning. If there was ice, we were out fishing. Can you do me a favor? I think you're very, um, you speak with a lot of detail. You're a very good storyteller. Mm -hmm. um, can you, one of the things I want to do is to transport people a little bit to the meadows as a place, like mm -hmm. an environment. Yeah. You know this place so well. I'm wondering if you could imagine you're trying to describe it to someone without an aid of a photograph. Like, how would you describe the the meadows as a as sort of a place here the meadows as a place um well i would have to say it has a great vegetation underneath for the for the uh, fish um, a lot of hiding places we have a lot of water sources brooks that come into here um it really kind of tucked right into a sets down into an embankment so it's like kind of sets out of the wind um, and it's not really much current through here um, if that makes any sense being next to a river so it kind of like mimics a pond sort of instead of moving water so you can um, so you can really you know have do what you need to do with the bait and try to get your fish you don't have to fight with current you don't have to fight with coontail or milfoil or the other good types of evasive you know stuff taking over um, it, it's really a, to me, when I walk out here, I come out here to f fish. I really come out here more to relax and sanity. So, I mean, I kind of, kind of, you're in the middle of a town, but you're tucked away and nobody really can, nobody bothers you. I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, I could walk a hundred, hundred, I could walk up to that bank right up here on the side and then more people ask me for cigarettes and money or <laughs> handouts and, I could shake a stick at. So, yeah. When it comes to ice fishing, I think there's a, a major social aspect to it. Whereas, you know, when we're casting on a boat, you know, you maybe wave at the guy that's across the, the water from you. But when it comes to ice fishing, you, you walk right up to him and talk to him. And I, you know, I'll spend a lot of time just visiting with people like when i'm on my way out to my shanty you know i'll see someone i'll stop and talk to them just a little chit chat just kind of i don't know that's just my personality which is not you know it's not uncommon but then again there's people that just won't even look at you out there you know but usually everybody will 
talk to you if you come up and talk to them or whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's a small place, so it can fill up. There can, you know, there can be a lot of shanties where there may not be enough room. Generally, we like to give each other like 50 feet, maybe 100 feet between the shanties, which, you know, is might be a little abnormal for ice fishing because you'll see a lot of places a lot of big lakes there'll be clumps of shanties you know all maybe 10 20 feet apart and just a whole bunch of them right in one spot and since the retreat seems to be pretty decent fishing all across the whole water there's no real reason to clump up i mean if you and your buddy want to have your shanties close together i got a couple guys we like to just keep our stuff real close to each other so that we can keep an eye on our things and visit you know we don't have to walk 400 yards to go you know tell someone they got a flag up and stuff but yeah, I mean, it's just an unspoken, unspoken agreement amongst us that you know certain guys have their spots they go to every year, and unless you want to, you know, get into a mat, you know, a, a fight with them, not even a fight, you know, just maybe an argument, you kind of just leave them alone, give them their space. But when it comes down to it, legally speaking, there's you can put your shanty right next to somebody else, so there's not a lot of recourse if somebody gets mad or has their feelings hurt. It's it is what it is, and. Uh, it's funny because I've met a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a few people where maybe we were fishing too close to each other and you start arguing and next thing you know, you're fishing with them, you know, every weekend. So it's funny to see how relationships can develop out of, uh, you know, some of those poor situations where people maybe don't act the way they should. You know... It's uh, it can be a little funky for myself personally on the meadows sometimes, um, just because just because there can be so many people there, and even though even though, um, let's see, I like the quiet. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm nice to everybody, but I still like the quiet. You know, if if I go out there, if I go out there for for a day when there's no one else out there, if it's just me on the ice. I'm perfectly happy with that. Yep. Um, in fact the biggest pike I ever caught was a day that there was no one else out on the ice all day. Um, so anyways, you know, so yeah, I, I, I bring people out and, um, I socialize, um, you know, with the people that I enjoy spending time with. Um, but ultimately I do like the quiet and, um, I'm perfectly, perfectly happy, uh, being by myself, oftentimes more happy than if there's, if there's a whole big, uh, crowd out there. I got into ice fishing almost about 20 years ago after um, just a change of life, shall we say. Um, I call myself, you know, my previous life, you know, a canker sore in society's ass. I mean, I was one of those people that you see in the paper, you know, and time and time again. And for, you know, for a long time until I got, you know, I got my act together. And it was just a way to get out in the winter because I don't ski, I don't snowmobile, and it was sitting around friends of mine. I you would sit with them in their shanties, and then I'm a carpenter, so I decided I would build my own. So it was um, first first year it was rougher, and then the second year I fine tuned it to what it is now, and um, just I don't know. It's just it becomes it's part of me, and people know it. You know, and people when when they come around and visit, they'll they'll come inside look, and they're like, wow. You know, I've got mahogany floors, mahogany walls, cedar ceiling. It's my little bit of heaven in the winter. And I can sit in here and it's with a satellite radio going at times and it's quiet. You just enjoy, you know, the outside and look at it and watch. And 
it's really quiet. You know, when you're out in the ice like that, it's quiet. I mean, if I'm sitting inside with that going, it's just, it's an isolation booth, you know. And you can fish, you know, I fish through the floor so I can sit in here no matter what the weather. I'm warm, got food, got radio. It's like a deprivation chamber, no, no society allowed. You know, like I said, I've always been doing carpentry or, or different trades, you know, and I have all these, you know, these little things that I've built and it just it's just a matter of attention to detail. And and so ha being down there in the shanty, I don't know, it just, it it's nice, it's, for me, it's sort of affirming just to sit there and look at what I have, you know. This is nothing fancy. I mean, it, it's fancy, yes, but it's not much, but it's my little piece of, it's my little piece of the world that I've created and I can go down there and either have a good time or a bad time, but it's primarily in my head what kind of time I'm having. You know, even a bad day of fishing, you know, they say it's better than a good day at work. And it's also the sense of pride. You know, somebody comes in and looks and they're like, wow, you know, it's a part, you know, it's a part of me. And it's fallen over. I mean, it fell over in Wilmington once. It fell over down on the ice. It's gone through twice. It's been submerged halfway because of water conditions coming up um yeah it's blown over it's you know it's gone through hell and it's you know it's survived it's like me you know this is just a this is just a microcosm of me you know a lot of shanties are built by people that have very little construction experience and you know, those are truly the, the coolest, most unique ones, you know, and maybe a carpenter wouldn't have done something that, that another guy would have that didn't know better or whatnot. Um, I guess almost little ingenious little ideas that people come up with to make it more usable for them. But, yeah, I mean, the, you could do, you could have an exhibit on the insides of them and the outsides of them, and it's very, you know, it's an interesting thing, and it's just you know, very rich in culture as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's a, yeah, I mean, the Shanies have a, a big story, but, you know, the real story is the, the guys inside of them, you know, and their motivations and their habits and techniques and stuff. It's a, it's very cool, you know, I'm happy to see you guys out there doing this and get some exposure to it, you know, it's uh, interesting, kind of a tangent is just, you know, the community and the things you see down here in Brattleboro, like Roy mentioned, you know, up in Island Pond, it's completely different, you know. So it's a body of water, state to state, you know, everything. You know, there's always little different social aspects and, you know, the construction will differ, you know, from region to region, depending on what people's real motivations are, you know. Somebody who fishes exclusively from the inside of their shanty through the hole in the bottom is going to be set up a lot different from a shanty like that we have. It's essentially for warming up and getting out of the wind. Well, you know, getting outside and getting your mind off things, get some fresh air, get some vitamin D, some sunshine, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's uplifting in itself. And um, taking time to enjoy yourself and do the things you really like to do. There's, there's no better medicine in the world for that. You know, you can spend all the time you want in uh, talking to a therapist or whatever um, and uh, don't want to discredit what they do. But um, if you can fig figure out how to self-heal, that's probably the best healing process you can go through. But as far as uh, the fishing part goes, 
I got to say, a lot of it's got to do with the strike. <laughs> you just love to feel that. If you're, you know, using a fishing rod, that thump, you know, or if you're, if you're ice fishing, it's just that little tick that you feel on the end of the line. And, you know, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't like to catch fish. You know, and, and if everything goes right, I don't know too many people that, that wouldn't have a good time. I don't think I've ever met one. If the fish are biting, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't like fishing, there's probably, if you don't like catching fish, you're probably in the minority, very small minority. Yeah. Every time that I do finally catch a huge pike, um, I always just find it to be so immensely satisfying, like almost like spiritually or something. I don't even know. I just feel, I just feel like so good for like the next few days. It really just like stays with me for a while. Probably because you know, probably because I put so much into it um, and uh, and learned so many lessons uh, the hard way um, growing up, but. But yeah, no, I, I think I can honestly tell you that uh, catching big pike is like is like is like one of the best feelings in the world for me. Yep, it definitely is. Hmm. I'd say its purpose in my life is it's a fun activity. Um, you don't need you don't need a whole lot of money to be in ice fishing. Don't get me wrong, you can go crazy spending money on it, but it's something easy to do. Um, gets you away, you know, and kind of a stress reliever for me. You know, you get out there and it's mostly quiet and you're just, you're just worried about getting the tip up set up and what you're gonna catch for the day you know, and sometimes you don't catch anything, but it's kind of a stress or a relief. Get away, not have to worry about anything. Ice Shanties, Fishing, People, and Culture is on display in our Middlebury Gallery through the end of this summer. But did you know that you can see our vision and voice exhibition programs statewide? Through May and beyond, you can see VFC exhibits in Bennington, Randolph, Newport, and in Middlebury. For more information, check out our show notes at www.vtfolklife.org untapped. That's all for this month. We'll be back in June. If you have a minute, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. We're still new. We're still trying to spread the word. Thanks for your help. You can also follow the Vermont Folklife Center on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And sign up for our newsletter at www.vtfolklife.org. Vermont Untapped is produced by Erica Fergiuelli and me, Mary Wesley. Thanks for listening. 